0: I invite you to plant your feet on the earth, slow down, tune in, and get ready to create a life of meaning and magic. Hello, and welcome back to the Wellpreneur podcast. This is our first episode back after the April break, and I hope you've had a nice time to catch up with some old episodes and just... Also, take some time for your self care and just to really nourish yourself for this next phase of your life and business. So, this week, I'm talking to Alexandra Jameson, who you might know as the vegan girlfriend from the film Supersize Me. Well, our conversation today is really awesome because I hadn't realized what a pivot Alexandra went through in her own life and business. She'll share her story during our interview, but a bombshell went off when she finally realized that her body was craving animal protein. And as someone who had built her brand around being a vegan, this was not a good thing, as she'll share with us in the interview. So when she finally announced that to her community, the backlash was horrible. And Alex talks us through this process of how she got through this really difficult time with a lot of haters coming out online and really flaming her and this fear of, you know, having her business as she knew it kind of fall apart and then reinvent herself and realign it, most importantly, with What was true for her then at that point in her life? And now she's created this amazing business where she's the cravings whisperer and she talks to women about cravings and getting back in tune with your body and also the importance of play. So we're going to be talking about all of this in today's interview. I think you're really going to enjoy it. As always, you can get all of the links that we talk about in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. So if you've ever felt a bit stuck or a bit out of alignment, or that you don't really know exactly where you're going, but you kind of feel like you've outgrown where you are, I think you're really going to enjoy this interview with Alex. Hi, Alex. Thanks for joining me on the show today. Hello. Thanks for having me. So Alex, I first heard about you, oh my gosh, years ago through Supersize Me, I think. And I've been following your journey ever since and the big transformation that you've gone through in your business. And so I have been so excited to have you on the show to share that with all the Wellpreneurs out there listening. Wow. Thank you so much. So Alex, why don't you give us a rundown of kind of what it is that you do now? I know you call yourself a cravings whisperer, which I love, but so tell us what your business looks like now.
1: So things have changed a lot over the last 17 years that I've been in this health racket, this <laughs> food and mind-body game. I am now doing a wide variety of things. You know, I actually started out as a private chef cooking for people who had uh, illness and they were looking to specialize diets. And these days, I run some large online group programs, My Cravings Cleanse. I do some um, high-level one-on-one coaching. I run a yearly mastermind with women around food, body, mindset. And I've written four books. I've got my own podcast that's been out for two years. So I do a a whole variety of things. But it
0: wasn't, you've really gone through a big transformation, right? And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to share that story because it's so powerful, kind of how you went from when we saw you in Super Size Me to running that business and then where you've gotten to now, would you mind sharing that with us?
1: Yeah, sure. So the beginning of my business, again, I was a private chef and I was actually, you know, I'd gone to culinary school here in New York City, the Natural Gourmet Institute. And you know, I really got into food in my mid twenties because I got really sick. And rather than take the Prozac and painkillers that my first doctor prescribed, I listened to my hippie mom and went to what we would now call a functional medicine doctor. And he said, what are you eating? And I got really into this idea that I could heal myself and choose a better way with food. So the first couple of years, I was just cooking for people. And then I was—I went back to school to become a health coach at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. and. Right as I was going back to school to IIN was when I was also working nights at a smoky bar here in New York City, as you do, you know, you got to got to pay the bills. So at the bar is where I met Morgan and Morgan was a budding filmmaker and I had this passion for food and this growing food movement. And we brought our passions together when we started dating and came up with the idea for Supersize Me Together. And, you know, in the film, Morgan got super sick. He ate nothing but McDonald's for a month. His blood pressure went up. His cholesterol shot up. He put on 25 pounds in a month. And I put him on my Whole Foods vegan diet at the end and helped him heal all that damage. And that became the movie Supersize Me. And it became this global sensation. And I became known as the vegan chef girlfriend from Supersize Me. At the time, I had discovered a vegan diet as a way to heal my body, which totally worked for me when I was 25. It was absolutely the right thing to do. But then, flash forward. Yeah, go ahead. Can I just
0: ask? Did you mind, like, because I know when you get a hit, you know, when something hits big for one thing, like you became the vegan girlfriend from Supersize Me. Did that bother you at the time? Like, were you okay? Were you like, cool? This is what I'm gonna do, or were you? Did you feel like quite?
1: Restricted by that? Oh, I was psyched. I mean, here (laughs) I was, just out of culinary school, just finishing my health coaching certification. You know, I had maybe like six clients under my belt when we got went to Sundance with this little movie we made, and then traveled the world, and I got my first book deal. So it was like I was thrilled, and at the time, I was. I called. I now say that I was professionally vegan. You know, it was my life. It was how I ate. It was how I thought most people should eat. And so I was really thrilled. Now that that thrill didn't last. Um, about 10 years into the future, I we were now married. I had our son. I had taken a couple of years off. So a lot had happened over the ensuing 10 years. And I started to have a lot of stress in my life. Our marriage started to fall apart. It was very stressful. Um, I had taken time off from work to have our kid. He was about a year, year and a half old. And I discovered that I couldn't trust my marriage. And I, you know, we were separating and I was trying to figure out how to get my career back on track. And my body was just going through so much stress. So much was happening. My hormones were a disaster. And, you know, what the diet that heals you is not always the diet that sustains you. And 10 years later, under all that stress, I started craving meat. Now, this was not good. This was not on brand for me. At this point, I had written three vegan books. I wrote two dummies books, Vegan Cooking for Dummies and Living Vegan for Dummies. And I was known Worldwide is the vegan chef girlfriend from Supersize Me. So to now be really having health problems, like my menstrual cycle was coming every two weeks. I was exhausted, I was feeling depressed again. And craving meat was not good for my image. Yeah. But I, I tried everything in the vegan framework to fix it and nothing worked. And so I finally had to listen to my body and have some animal protein again and physically i started to feel so much better i was like oh my gosh i was missing this but emotionally i was really tied up in knots about it and still struggled went back and forth and didn't tell anyone for like a year yeah
0: and- well i can imagine cuz you feel like wow you know i've got this i'm just getting my career back on track and this is what i'm known for and there's that fear i'd imagine that like this was your one shot like this was the fame and you need to keep riding it And I can't, I mean, I'm just imagining like, there must've been so much fear that like, oh my gosh, if anyone finds out, just it's
1: all over. Well, there were a lot of things happening. You know, I was, luckily I've always had a a wide variety of friends, but a good percentage of my friends were now vegans. And uh, it's really scary to think, well, what if I, you know, they're not going to want to be with me anymore. They're not going to want to be my friends anymore. And that sadly turned out to be true. I lost a lot of actual friends. You know, it was pretty vicious what happened online and in the blogosphere after I kind of came out as no longer vegan. But also what was happening, I can now look back and see that I was totally out of alignment. I stopped talking about vegan and I was just continuing to say I'm a health coach and I you know I will help you feel good. Well, that wasn't very, uh, very strong messaging. And because I was so uncertain in my own self and my own life and what I was doing, like I really struggled in my business as I was rebuilding my brand, et cetera, after being offline for a couple of years. So it actually took me getting very clear about what was going on and being very honest to actually kickstart my career again. And that was not my plan. Believe me, people... So funny, people said, oh, it was just a, a gimmick that she used to try to get attention for her business. I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I lost half my newsletter list when I said I wasn't vegan anymore. And I knew that was going to happen. It wasn't something I was thrilled to do. It was just something I knew I had to do. I'd love to explore that a little bit more because I think you said you
0: just felt out of alignment. Did you realize at the time you were out of alignment or is that something that you've seen looking back? Like, I guess, I'm asking, took, yeah, if you if you it, how
1: you can identify when you're out of alignment, I guess. It took me a while to figure it out. It took me a while of really struggling. And I wrote the blog post. I'm not vegan anymore, probably for six months. <laughs> I wrote it over and over and over again and resisted publishing it. And what it took, luckily, you know, other people in your life who you could trust, who are your real mirrors are some of the most important people you'll ever have in your life. And I had finally started dating again and I met a wonderful man who I just married last year. And Bob was like, look, I support you. And no matter what happens, I think you need to be honest because you're obviously struggling and it's not, you know, you're working super hard on your business and things aren't happening. You have to be honest because you're not a good liar. And it's, it's coming across. And people feel when you're lying. It doesn't work. So I'm curious, when you
0: kind of dropped that bomb, you know, you kind of were like, okay, here, I'm not vegan anymore and announced it to your community. Did you have a plan at that point of like what you were nope. doing? <laughs> <laughs> nope,
1: no plan at all. I was like, okay, I'm just going to do this because it needs to be done. And a really a series of kind of interesting and fortuitous events. Unfolded that again, I had no plan for. I don't know the, if this is the kind of thing you can really plan for because it has to just be totally honesty for honesty's sake, not honesty for, you know, marketing and money's sake. I had just become friends with uh, Jonathan Fields through Bob, actually, through my then boyfriend. And, you know, we hit it off and he was like, you know what, I'd love to interview you for my podcast. And I was like, oh, cool. I didn't even know he had a podcast, I didn't know anything about him. And so we did an interview and that came out the same week. And little did I know, he actually had quite a following and a lot of people were seeing that I was being just flamed online. I mean, thousands of shares. This Facebook post just went completely viral. Again, not in a way that I really desired or planned. It just happened. And because this other interview came out at the same time, it got a lot of attention And Jonathan wrote an additional blog post about like, oh, it's like, hey, guys, this is a a friend of mine. Isn't this interesting how just being honest about what you need to eat is causing so much uproar? Go take a look. So it brought me a lot of positive attention. At the same time, it was bringing me a lot of negative attention. And I ended up, you know, rebuilding my community with people who were interested in what I was now saying that hey, you need to listen to your body. And hey, how you used to eat might not be appropriate for you anymore. I'd like to help you find out what does help. So yeah, it was just a really kind of a magical, unintended (laughs) moment. Do you have any, um, because I know it was just really vicious, like you were
0: saying, the, the feedback that you got online, the hatred that you got because of your announcement. I mean looking back on it do you have any kind of how, how do we get through something like that cuz you know hopefully most people listening won't have it quite as bad as you did but we all get you know as you get a bigger presence online you do start to get people that come out of the woodwork and troll you and so what are your thoughts
1: on that now how do you get through that yeah it's really interesting i've actually seen it happen to another couple of friends of mine since then in different circumstances but i've seen them become the the target of attacks where, you know, when you know the real story, you're like, wow, these attacks are so out of nowhere or off base or just lies. And when I see it happening to a good friend of mine, it's really easy for me to say, oh, don't listen to those idiots. You know, they don't know you're amazing. You know, you're doing your thing. You're incredible. Just keep going. It's really easy to say that (laughs) when you're in the midst of it yourself, it really does take a lot of support. It really does take good friends who are willing to show up, have your back, you know, hold you while you cry, because that happened (laughs) quite a lot. (laughs) And you do need this. You need to connect with your truth. Your truth is what's important. It doesn't matter what other people say. It's just like being bullied or mean girled in junior high, right? It really doesn't matter. If you could look back and tell your 13-year-old self, ah, screw those guys. You know, you can do that. You have to know that your truth is important. And it's way more important than what other people say about you. When you
0: talk about your transition, you say that you rewrote the rules. And I'm really curious, because you've touched on a bit that before, when you're trying to reinvent your career, you were working really hard and nothing was working. And it sounds like you were really pushing and, you know, trying to make it fit. And so I'm curious, what happened after this transition? How did you rewrite those rules
1: to create something that felt more authentic? Well, even talking about cravings was something that I, it didn't seem like anyone else was talking about. And I had to really look at my story and what had just happened in my own life, my own evolution, and really pinpoint, you know, what what is it that's interesting about this? What's different? What? can I focus on? Well, the thing the thing that really came out for me was, oh, you know, I actually listened to my cravings. I listened to them and used them as a guide. And we've all been taught to suppress our cravings or ignore them or fight them. So for me to call them out as wisdom from your body was rewriting the rules of what you're supposed to do with cravings. You know, I also and this is this was more behind the scenes, but this was all happening at the same time. And Believe me, several people have said you have to write about this, <laughs> so it's coming soon. Um, you know, my hormones were a disaster. I was getting divorced, so I I was so disconnected from my body in a way that I hadn't been honestly in my entire life. And when I started eating animal protein again, and my hormones started balancing, my it's like my libido came back. It's like oh, I have a body. <laughs> oh, like she's lonely. <laughs> she needs. Pleasure. And I got some really good advice from a mentor teacher. Who said, you know what? You should just date. You should just date everyone. You know, <laughs> you don't, you don't, it's like food. You have an idea in your head about what you think you're supposed to eat. And you have an idea in your head about who you're supposed to date. Just taste all the food and see what feels good to you. Date all the people and see who feels good to you. So I did. And I had. In a year and a half, I had over a hundred first dates Amazing. in New York City. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Some of them were horrible, just repulsively terrible, groaning, oh, God, get me out of here!" kind of dates. <laughs> and most of them were first and only dates, but it did, you know, it did lead me to this attitude where it was okay to try things and for them to not work out. And it was okay to go on a date and either neither of us liked each other or I didn't like him or he didn't like me. That happened it a lot. takes pressure off, doesn't it? Because suddenly it's not like it, you have to yeah, have it, it all planned out in advance. You're just like,
0: well, I'll just try it. Try and see.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I encourage everyone to, to approach food, uh, career, um, dating with the same kind of, I don't know. Let me try. Let's see what
0: happens love it that's great advice I'm curious from that time that you made the blog post announcement until you feel like you kind of had it figured out what the new direction you were going in how long did that process take to just like do that pivot in your business mm-hmm. or maybe you still don't have it figured well, out and that's okay too because it's <laughs> we're all evolving right
1: but oh, well I have I do have to say that's true we're all evolving you know my business is Still evolving and morphing. I just, you know, rebranded my whole website and my podcast a few months ago. And that was a whole process of, you know, digging in again and redefining and getting more clarity. But, you know, what was really helpful, I'm great with deadlines. And luckily, I had written three books before all this happened. And because this vegan blow up got so much attention, a new literary agent reached out to me and she said, I think this would make a great story. So, you know, about six months after this blow up, I had a new book deal talking about this process that I take people through to listen to their bodies, what happened to me, et cetera. And, you know, having to put down into words and helping people learn from your experience and all of your learned wisdom, it's a great way to get some clarity, but you know, looking back, even and maybe you know, maybe your listeners have done this—they've written an ebook or they've created a course—and you look back a couple of years later and you're like, oh, you know, I would do it differently now. And that's always going to be true. You're always learning. You're always growing. So just keep going. It's okay if that old thing isn't totally perfect for you now. You can rebuild it, rename it, create it anew. I think that's I think that's this business that we're in, you know. Yeah, I'd like to shift gears a little bit because one of the the topics that you're really passionate
0: about is bringing more play into our lives. And when I read that, I just felt really like it feels really light and spacious and it almost feels like, oh, play, like, is that allowed? You know, and I'd love to talk about that. Like, what do you mean? So talk to us about play. Like, what do you mean when you say play and, and how can we have more of it?
1: So one of the things, man, I want all the letters after my name. I want all the certifications. I could just be in school for the rest of my life. I love learning new stuff. And one of the things I did after, you know, as I was writing the book, actually, I went back to a program for um, applied positive psychology. And I loved learning about, you know, how we can use really good science-backed evidence studies and practices to build on our strengths, to, you know, what actually helps us have a good life. And the thing that I kept coming back to was, you know, playful energy, being playful, being curious, being creative. It just really intrigued me. And as I was working with more and more clients one-on-one and in my programs, I realized that so many women... I'll be honest, so many coaches as well in our business, like we're so focused on the end result. Like I have to lose the 20 pounds or I have to break six figures this year. We're so focused on that that we forget to have a life. We are so hard on ourselves. Women, please listen. (laughs) We're so hard on ourselves. And if you ask a woman, so well, what would you do if you weren't working so hard? What would you do? to go have fun like what's fun for you and so many will say i don't know i don't know we get so busy with other people's priorities and our goals that we don't even know what would be enjoyable for us now for most of us food becomes our only like fun outlet or wine so i've decided to really focus on play as a tool and help women Be more playful. And that's everything from, you know, Facebook lives where we do dance parties to 70s music and my my Facebook groups. You know, I'm a big fan of roller skating. I have been since I was about 10. And I just had my 42nd birthday and took about a dozen women roller skating for my birthday. I've got a, a hula hoop upstairs that I take little breaks with, you know, including toys and play and curiosity. Is actually a secret weapon to help you get all the things you want. And that's a thriving business, a body that you're happy in, you know, strong, fun relationships. Those are the things we want. Well, instead of working so hard towards them, when we start to pursue play and pleasure as well, it actually comes about without all the effort. Mm hmm. I know
0: people, we can get so hung up, especially when you're looking at people are looking at growing their businesses. They can get so focused on, like you said, the six figures or the certain number or the certain amount of followers and forget about everything else. And it's funny because, you know, everyone out there listening, the reason they go into wellness is because we want to work on something we're passionate about and we want to create this life that embodies the stuff we're passionate about, but yet we can get so off track And just completely like nose to the grindstone. Like we become the worst boss in the world, (laughs) you know, that just insists that we work all the time. And so I love this approach that maybe allowing yourself to bring more fun and play and curiosity in will get you to where you want to go,
1: but in a much more spacious way. Yeah, I've been hosting these, what I'm calling play dates for women not just the roller skating party, but I had a a bad art party where we got together and brought all of our, you know, crafting material from random drawers around our homes, put them together in a big pile here at my house. And we just glued stuff together and like created random stuff for no purpose. It was supposed to be bad. just Be creative like a five-year-old. And it was so fun. It was so fun we did a, a night bike ride together. I went down to um Tennessee. We did this women's ride together. There's just there's so many ways that we can feel alive and feel connected. And that's what we women thrive in so much. I mean men do too for sure, but women, there is like a special sauce. When we get together in groups and have fun together, we just ugh, it takes everything up a level. It takes our oxytocin up so we feel really good. It takes our metabolism up so our body's working better. It takes our stress down. It's like everybody wins. Amazing.
0: Yeah. Great. So I think everybody listening, like this is your homework for the week. Or I shouldn't even say homework, right? So this is like your fun activity for the week, <laughs> your weekly challenges to
1: your home play. <laughs> your home play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bring bring yeah. some more play into your life. Yeah. Yeah. I've got um I've got a, a one day invitation. At the end of April, for women to to play together, take the play pledge. So if they're interested, they can check that out and you know, make a plan with a girlfriend, get together with your besties or your sister or whatever, and just get together, get some ideas, go have fun, make it happen. awesome. So I also love to talk
0: about self-care and we're getting to the end of our time together, but I really am curious. What kind of like rituals and routines you have in your life just to make you just to make, you know, you perform at your best for your life and business. So maybe do you have a morning routine or any other types of
1: kind of rituals and routines you could share? Well, luckily, my kid is one of my best friends. And when he's here, we turn on the music in the morning and we make breakfast together. Some people think I'm a mean mom because I make my kid make his own breakfast and lunch, but he's actually really pretty great at it. It's developing a lot of good skills for him. So we're in the kitchen together. We'll turn on some music. I'm a big fan of 70s rock and we will boogie down. And I, I like to walk him to school and then head over about five minutes past his school is a nice park. So nature is really very soothing, very healing and grounding for me. And I like to get out and I will hug a tree I will watch the squirrels <laughs> I will sit in the sun. That's really, really important to me. And then, you know, right after you and I finish this interview, I'm going to go take a nice, hot Epsom salt bath. And that is super helpful. Three or four nights a week, I do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, That's amazing. I have to say, I'm a huge Epsom salt bath fan, too. And here in Hong Kong, we don't have a bathtub because we have a little apartment. So I'm going through major withdrawal. So
1: Enjoy. Oh, yeah. You got to go find a spa or get a hotel room one night.
0: (laughs) No, I've been thinking about the hotel room every couple of weeks just to go soak in like a big, amazing tub. But anyway, yeah. So enjoy that. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us where people can find you if they'd like to get in touch or learn more or join one of your
1: programs? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can go to herplaydate.com and check out more ideas about play, how you can integrate it into your life. Or you can go to cravingsquiz.com and take my quick quiz to figure out what your cravings might be telling you about your body, your relationship with food. Yeah, those two cravingsquiz.com and herplaydate.com. Perfect. Thanks so much, Alex, for being here today.
0: Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Wellpreneur podcast. As always, you can get all of the links in the show notes, which are available at wellpreneuronline.com. Also, after this episode, don't forget to bring a little more play into your life every day. So what would feel good for you? And just think this week, how can you bring some play and creativity and curiosity into your life? I think it would feel really good. And um, let's all try to be a little more easeful and flowing and expansive and And have a little bit more fun. It doesn't have to be so serious. So have a fantastic week, and I will see you back here next week with the next episode.